Right, we're back on the Burst Boss Scottish Football Podcast with me, Hamish Carson. We've got a weekend of Scottish Premiership and lower league stuff to get through. We've also got a special guest on the show today. We've gone to him in a wee second, but first off, KC, how are we? Hi, good to be back, mate. Thanks for thanks for having me. And I just want to commend you for actually showing your face <laughs> on the podcast today. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised you, you would be here. So, no, fair point to you. You deserve a lot of credit for that, man. Appreciate that. I think you've got to show your face in the, the bad times as well as the good. Um, on that subject, Callum Fisher, how are you? Uh, yeah, I'm not too bad. Uh, bit of a bit of a uh, messed up throat at the moment uh, due to a, an event that happened yesterday afternoon. But uh, all good. Good to be back. Good stuff. And it's not just us three as well. We've got a, a very special guest, East Fife's Tam Collins has been good enough to join us for the whole show. Tam, how are you? Yep, delighted to be here. I'm tired after a a long trip up to Cove yesterday, but um, three points for Carly certainly lifted the spirits on the road back. Definitely. I think we'll, we'll get on to all the lower league stuff later on and, and hear a wee bit for you as well about how you're getting on at the moment with everything that's going on. Uh, starting in the Premiership though, guys, as we always like to do, I was kind of thinking we should probably start at Parkhead, but then events at New Douglas Park and eight goals probably meant that we should really start with that game because it was like the highest scoring game of the season so far. 5-3 it finished to St. Johnson. And um, it looked like a really good game from what we saw, Casey. No, hundred percent. And obviously, there was the the St. Johnson fan that tweeted us a couple of weeks ago. I think he says that we like to to write them off in the podcast. Um, so he obviously would like that. And credit where it's due. I mean, I think they scored more goals yesterday than than they scored for the entire season. I think it was four before that, and then they scored five yesterday. So I, I did I did call it on Thursday to be fair because they scored seven against Brecon. I think it was in the the Betfred Cup, and I said that would be them. Firing all cylinders, five goals. No, well, it's worked. In. I mean, obviously, with, with the system that they were trying to play for the beginning of the season, anyway, with the three four three, you you were thinking, sure, it's got to be a matter of time before they actually start um, putting teams on a kind of more of an attacking threat, a, a bit more pressure, and and that's worked. In. I mean, obviously, if Ryan Crombie still listens to the podcast, obviously former member, uh, he'll he'll not be able to believe the the kind of the performances that Stevie May's been putting in for them recently. His first goal's brilliant as well, clever wee finish, and and um, the one he, he sets up Conway is 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 absolutely brilliant as well because. Any other striker could be selfish there and try to go for his hat trick. It was actually a shame to see that he didn't get his hat trick, but all in all, a great performance for him as well. And I credit to St. Johnson, and hopefully that's kind of the result they need to kind of to kind of turn their season around a wee bit. Yeah, he scored five goals in his last two games. Stevie May got a double yesterday. Obviously, so did Craig Conway. Brilliant free kick at the end for Craig Conway right into the corner, and Hamilton's Ronan Hughes also netted a double there. Um, do you think Fisher? These are the kind of games that we're going to see more of because we've seen a lot of them down south like the high scoring you know the 6-1s and the what was it 7-2 seven, seven was it to Villa um, but we've not really seen them as, as much up here for whatever reason yeah it seems like everywhere well everywhere in Europe uh, defending's kind of gone out of fashion uh, apart from Scotland because uh, as you mentioned this is the first kind of mental scoreline that we've seen I, I just think it was a case of St John's, I mean, I know we, we, we don't want to talk any of these teams down, I suppose, after such a good game, but I do think they're the, the two poorest teams in the league. Um, and I think it's a case of that, that St John's do have good players, to be fair to them, going forward. Um, and, and it just seems as though they were they were really free-flowing, free certainly in that first half. That was the best I've seen St Johnston all season. Um, but the defending was just was just really poor. Some really good goals, but some really poor defending, and and it usually is going to culminate in a, in a game like that. But as I say, as Casey mentioned, that I shout out for myself for Stevie May as well because I was really really impressed, and I know he's he's been a bit of a figure of fun uh, on the pod and and elsewhere, um, given his his kind of lack of goals for Aberdeen, but hat trick in midweek against Brecon and, and two goals and an assist uh, in this game uh, it's good to see and you can see the confidence is actually back in his game just with his movement and stuff like that so now fair play to St Johnston I think I've, I've probably written them off enough this season so uh, credit where it's due um, that was they'd, they'd actually waited over 300 minutes for a goal before the five yesterday so, so fair play to them apart from the, the Betfred Cup obviously yeah sorry in the league aye, not, in the league aye. not in the aye. league sorry aye <laughs> We've obviously not had you in the pod before, Tam. Um, we've got a bit of a running joke that, that Hamilton are just never going to get relegated for the top flight, no matter what happens. They're, they're sitting bottom at the moment. They've conceded 21 goals, which is, I think, way more than any other team in the top flight. What do you kind of make of their chances of staying up again this season? Um, I think with Hamilton, it's a case of the old cliche. They seem to get out of it every year. They have that spirit. I think they've got a, a manager which 
we'll get them out of it again, if I'm quite honest. The team that I think will probably be below them was St Johnston. So it's difficult to see how they how they beat them yesterday. But I think I echo what you guys said. The Betfred Cup came at the right time for St Johnston. Um, it provided Kane, Conway, Witherspoon the chance, chances to play against some weaker opposition, especially, um, not Kane, sorry, Stevie May. It gave Stevie May the, the chance to get his confidence up. I feel he has a striker that scores goals when he's confident. And obviously a hat-trick in midweek allows him to, to go into this game on a high. And it was it was, it was was no surprise to me to see Witherspoon, Conway and May heavily involved in, in what was a five-star performance for St Johnston. Ah, he is a bit of a joke figure, Stevie May, isn't he, for honest? Do you think that's a bit harsh, Casey? I know, 100%. I mean, this was a guy that, I mean, kind of talking 2013, 2014, that we were raving Aye. about. Scotland um, caps and all that. Uh, Scotland caps and, and plenty of squads and he get his kind of big mouth, uh, big move uh, down south to, to Preston at that point. So, and he's obviously come back up. Aberdeen spent big money on him and I think obviously that went against him. Um People are expecting a lot more from him, but I don't even think that's his game. I mean, what, what he always gives you is obviously effort. Um, he's, he plays very well up front himself, you know. I mean, obviously runs the channels, always presses the ball, he gives you continuous running all the time. Um, so when the goals don't come, it's easy to kind of criticise him and, and make a laugh of him, which I've, I've done myself. I remember we were linked to him last year and I was thinking, this is a Kelly banter you started, man, after the Thomas <laughs> Key game and that, which obviously I kind of a disservice to him. But no, in, as you guys have just already touched upon, you can see the, the confidence is sky high and his first goal there, it's a great wee flick at, at the front post and if if that's a, if that's a year ago, I don't think he does that. You know, what I mean, I know that's a kind of cliche, and we, and we speak about that quite a lot. But that just, I think that just epitomises a player full of confidence, and and he was absolutely top class yesterday. And I really, really hope that he does continue this run. Yeah, the one I liked was when he, he ran through. I think it was the fourth goal when he runs through and he squares it for for Conway to slide in. That was really kind of unselfish play. Former Hamilton, of course, as well. I didn't even realise that, but he, he played a season for Hamilton, there, scored 25 goals in 21 games for them as well, so some kind of happy memories turned into sad memories for the Aki's fans, I was obviously on the, the Twitter yesterday and we've got a lot, we seem to follow a lot of Aki's fans and they seem like so unhappy at the moment with Brian Rice and they've had some good results this season, you kind of wonder what Aki's fans kind of want, but then I suppose by the same logic, they've, they have only got seven points for ten games this season, what's that, two wins and a draw, that's like, I mean, that is the very definition of, of relegation for him, Fisher. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think we've spoken about this before in the pod about how there's, there's probably a, when Can, Martin Cannon kind of came to the end of his reign there, there was there was probably a, a desire from the Hamilton support for them to, to not just be relegation fodder. You know, when you see what, what Livingston have done coming into the, into the division, how St Johnston um, through the years have, have kind of stabilised themselves in the league as well uh, by pushing on to the top six. I know Hamilton um, are a relatively small club, but there probably is a feeling amongst the support that they've seen this kind of season so many times and whilst... You know, pretty much every time as we've discussed, they they do manage to avoid going down. It must kind of just be pretty frustrating to be in this sort of situation again. Um, particularly when you see, I know the the points tally isn't great, but Hamilton have played have played well uh, in certain games this season, and they do have. You know they've lost some key players obviously over the summer, but they still have a relatively okay squad for that kind of area. The area, you know, the kind of bottom half of the league. So I think they'd want to be pushing on and, and trying to establish themselves more um, as a, as a club that's that, that isn't just battling relegation season after season. So I can understand that, but you know, if I was a Hamilton fan, I'd I've been very impressed with with Brian Rice since he came in. So you know, I wouldn't be wanting them to them to change it at this point certainly. Right, so that was the first game we touched on. It's actually three wins in a row for St Johnson if you factor in the Betfred Cup games as well. But well done to them getting a 5-3 win at Hamilton. Right, should we do it? Should we get it over with? I'm I'm happy to talk about it for an hour, mate, if, if you want to. But... <laughs> I don't know the best way to do this, probably to get my point of view and then your point of view. Um, in fact, we'll, we'll start with an, an obvious question to, to all of us. I'll, I'll let you all answer this one. Rangers now the title favourites. I'd say aye. I'd, I, 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 I backed Rangers a couple of weeks ago to win the league um, with, with a couple of other teams. I kind of do that every year. and A couple of the leagues in England and Europe and stuff and, and Rangers a few weeks ago, I just think that 
I, I never will do it. I, I, but it's important though to get carried away. I mean, this is rich coming from me. I'm probably the most reactionary person on this podcast. <laughs> I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I was I was wanting to die out essentially. <laughs> whereas whereas now now I want to get that contract in front of him and then uh, give him whatever numbers he wants on there. So uh, no, I mean, I just I just think that Rangers, everyone's going for them. The it's and it's not just. It's not just a one-off game. We, Hamish, we spoke about this before we come on. What is it? Five of the six old firm games. Like, like they've they've absolutely battered Celtic. You, you know what I mean? And Gerard, he, tactically, well, I know obviously Michael Beale gets a lot of this credit. Um, he, all the players rave about how many interviews you you hear, and obviously Gerard's there is obviously the the, the figurehead. But the the. Their tactics in these big games are absolutely spot on all the time. And an issue with Rangers was they were doing that and then they were dropping silly points elsewhere. Whereas this season so far, don't get me wrong, obviously we're only 10, 11 games into the season here, so it's still a long way to go. But everything's gone for them now. And, and they looked at they've they've kind of eradicated these daft mistakes and, as I said, like dropping points to the likes of Kilmarnock and stuff. So, nah, f- fair play to them and, and I genuinely do think that. And I think Celtic, I think Celtic just looks scared. I think they're mm. frightened. Anytime they come up against Rangers, they don't want to play them. It's so, it's so clear to see it. Um, the Rangers players, every single one of them, uh, and I know, again, it's maybe, it's maybe a bit cliche and stuff, but Rangers just genuinely look like they want it more every single time they play them. Um, and I no credit credit where it's due and absolutely top class for, for Rangers and it, there was there was no doubt in my mind that they were winning that game yesterday. I knew they were going to win, um, and I backed them to do that as well. So no, hundred percent. They wanted it more, but the more concerning thing for me, even more concerning than that, was that they just looked a better team. Like the amount of times in Arfield was playing one twos and getting it back and and Celtic like. Players like McGregor and Brown, who are renowned for being able to get around the park and win tackles and win the ball back, were just like chasing shadows. Like it was, it was crazy to see. Um, Glenn Kamara absolutely runs the show, and I think he's a decent enough player. But I think when Glenn Kamara is absolutely running the show at Celtic Park, you know there's something up with the Celtic midfield. Um, yeah, Tam, what do you think? Or how do you kind of view the title race now after that game? Um, despite being much more impressed with Rangers and thinking that uh, for me they're a much better coached side than Celtic are now which is completely flipped from when Rodgers was there um, all the talk before the game is about Rangers rotations and movements and how Celtic are going to cope with them whereas I think Celtic are much more reliant now um, on individuals such as Edward Christie um, I mean, even even guys like Forrest, Frimpong as well. But um, I would still make Celtic the favourites for the title, merely because um, Gerard hasn't won a league title before. I don't know what's gone wrong the last two Januarys, but we've seen great performances from Rangers before, from from the start of the season until January, and then they come back from the winter break and they're really poor. So there's something I miss in that period where Celtic come through that period and maintain momentum and Rangers lose it. And I've yet to see anything otherwise to say that Rangers are going to go across that period any better this year. It's probably quite simplistic then to mention, obviously, there's no uh, winter break this year. Do you think that makes a difference, Tam? Um, I wasn't aware of that fact, actually. I hadn't hadn't thought about that, but um, that will certainly make it interesting. I feel like Rangers have got that winter break completely wrong the last two Mm. seasons. Um, Whether they're able to keep the momentum... Um, with games continuing will be an interesting factor um, but I, I would reiterate that I think they look a much better coach side I think they have individuals that can match Celtic's best individuals now um, and it's just a case of whether Celtic can can start to find a style of play again reminiscent of what they, what they had under Rodgers that I feel that they've completely lost under Lennon at the minute yeah, we'll, we'll come on to Rangers in a minute, Fisher. Don't worry, we'll let you kind of bask in the glory of your team's performance because Rangers were good, but yeah, I, I've kind of defended this team a lot and I've always been thinking that they're like one performance away from, from getting back to their old days and I thought it would have come prior to the international break. I was waiting every single game and we did play well at home at Hibs when we won 3-0, but we never kicked on for that. I thought it would come yesterday. Part of me still thinks is waiting for Thursday night against AC Milan. Will we turn them over? Will that be the moment it turns? But that's a team for me that, that isn't playing for their manager. Like I don't care what anyone says, but the way they performed yesterday, it's a team that, that isn't out there wanting to fight for their manager. Um, and for me, that comes down, as much as the players should be responsible for that, it comes down to me 
to the manager. Um, I don't think he helped himself after the Ferenc Faros defeat with his comments. I think a lot of them were probably turned off after that, the way he came out. Um, and I, I struggle to see where Celtic go for here with Neil Lennon as manager. If you're asking me, can Celtic win the league with Neil Lennon as manager? I'm saying, yes, they can. Will they? I've got real doubts. Like I genuinely do. And, and that's why, for me, that if Celtic want to go and win the league, I think they have to act quickly and, and get someone in. Now, I know we were chatting before, Casey, who would they bring in? And I mean, that that's a fair point because there probably aren't too many you know, well-known managers who could manage a big club like that in such a big season that are out there and, you know, be available to come in. But equally, like, who Celtic have got in charge at the moment and the way things are going, the, the complete, you know, pathetic nature of performances all season. This is like 15 games in now and we've probably put in two good performances. I just, I don't see what way it goes now um, in a positive direction. I'm really struggling with it. On the topic of replacements, I think there's a, a really obvious one for, for Celtic um, in terms of building a style of play again and that has managed Celtic and has won titles before in Gordon Strachan. I don't know what the history is and if there's any animosity between club and manager from previous, but I feel like he clearly installs a, a style of play that is much more aligned to what Rodgers had at Celtic and he's, and he's done it before. Um, I know he's working at another club at the minute, I think. Um, but but that that's the obvious one to me. Hmm. I think he's at Dundee, is that right? Is he technical yeah, director, director or something? Managing director or something. Yeah. yeah. Fisher, take it away. Because Rangers were good yesterday. What, what do you think about the title race now? Um, I, I'm probably more aligned with what Tam was saying. Just I'm in very much in the I'll believe it when I see it kind of camp. Um, been here the past two seasons with Rangers where we do play well up until the, the break and obviously there is no break but then at the, uh, this season but then at the turn of the turn of the year Celtic tend to go on a, a very consistent run whereas we falter and I think that's what's important for Rangers now is big win yesterday um, to, to get two back-to-back wins at Parkhead the first time since the, the 1990s it obviously tells you how, how difficult we have found it there Um but it's a big statement win from Rangers yesterday um, and now we need to go on a run. We've got a, I wouldn't say a kind run of fixtures, but we, we've came through a harder run of fixtures in the first kind of quarter of the season than we will do um, in, in this kind of next run up to, to Christmas and stuff like that. So it's very important that, that Rangers go on a, a, a run um, and try and take advantage of any kind of issues that Celtic may have um, in the upcoming games. As far as, as yesterday itself... I just thought it was it was very routine and comfortable and I couldn't tell you very much difference in, in some of the performances that we've seen at Ibrox um, or, or kind of elsewhere from Rangers so far this season um, because it wasn't as if we went up another level yesterday because it was an old firm game. For me, Rangers just played their game, obviously got our goals at the correct time, defensively were very solid and controlled the midfield. I mean, if even if you take the front three, Kent was good but it wasn't the kind of the Ryan Kent that we've seen so far this season in terms of he wasn't kind of like the standout player in the park. He just simply did his job and, and that was good enough. Morelos didn't really offer much apart from obviously um, trying to wind Scott Brown up and, and Brandon Barker for the most part was pretty anonymous. So for, for Rangers to go to Parkhead and you know our, our leading striker and one of the front three to not play very well and still win 2 nothing kind of says a lot. Um as I say, title race a long way to go in that, but I'm I'm confident that we can that we can put a run together, and if we can get to Christmas and get over that kind of hump of coming into January and then going on a further run, um, then then I will start to believe. But as I say, it really is for me just because of the last two seasons. I believe it when I see it, but really really happy with yesterday, as you can imagine, as my as you can tell by my voice. Um, just a really comfortable performance for Rangers yesterday and, and that's what I was looking for. Just comfortable, controlled, calm, get the job done, get out of there and then move on to the Europa League on Thursday. So really couldn't ask for much more from Rangers yesterday, to be honest. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of the games when Celtic had Brendan Rodgers in charge and they were up against like Pedro Caixinha's Rangers and they never even had to play that well and they won. Even at Ibrox, I remember a 2-0 win we had and... We weren't even great that day. We came that, away, and it was quite like that. Was when uh, Windass slide tackled Kashinia <laughs> on the. But see the thing for me in that, right? Obviously, 
at that time Celtic were flying under Brendan Rodgers but Rangers for the most part were pish right this Celtic team has clearly got better players than that Rangers team ever had and, and they just didn't do anything yesterday I mean yeah. Elianusi obviously has the chance that he should do better with and Griffiths goes through uh, and rounds the goalkeeper but I mean apart from that I mean McGregor uh, McGregor didn't have a save didn't, to make yeah he didn't have a save to make which is absolutely bizarre And uh, but what I will say um, to be to be fair to Celtic there's no chance that they would have been allowed to get away with that performance of Dublin mm. fans in the stadium. Like I just, I just cannot foresee Celtic playing like that if they had fans with them. Which, I agree, I agree. So I think people need to maybe just. There's a long way to go. Celtic will get their players back. Very, very good performance from Rangers yesterday, but I just can't foresee that Celtic um, are going to slip or are going to let yesterday, you know, dictate how the rest of the season goes. Um, I would love it if that is going to happen, but I just I just don't see them giving up on on their title uh, as easily as as they kind of gave up that game yesterday. I, I just I just the other thing I don't get when you're mentioning the fans there, Rangers. Are, I know it was at Parkhead, but Rangers are still playing with no fans yesterday. Yeah, true. It didn't affect the team at all, and we did. Sorry, Casey, you want to come in a minute ago there? No, I I, I was just um, got to say you hit the nail on the head with that uh, 2-0 game uh, when Pedro was Rangers manager that's exactly what that game reminded me of yesterday um, it was it was exactly the same Celtic back then obviously three years ago or whenever it was I mean then they got to second gear and, and still came away 2 on without Rangers really laying a glove on them and that was essentially a carbon copy of what happened yesterday uh, except the roles were reversed and I, I, and I want to give special credit to Goldson, he's a guy that I've criticised for for years. Like I've never thought he was, it was it was at the level that Rangers needed to get to win leagues. I think I said at the the podcast at the beginning of the season, I, I, I slated him Tavernier. You know, a, a, a lot of these guys, not saying that they're particularly bad players, but but whether they've got the mentality to to sustain this kind of title challenge. But yesterday, I thought he was brilliant. I mean, well, the, the full Rangers defence, well, they they strolled it. Know that Celtic. I mean, people say that Celtic didn't work them, and obviously McGregor didn't have a save to make. But I mean, that all comes down to how you're set up in. The, the midfield obviously as well were, were top class and that's with the absence of Ryan Jack as well in there um, obviously he, he came off the bench so no, I just I think again just Rangers were, were different class yesterday and in another day could have scored a, another one or two as well I just want to I, sorry just quickly on that point about Goldson I do hope because he does get a lot of stick um, from Rangers supporters when we maybe drop points and he doesn't play well I think he's been just to what Casey said he's been tremendous and I just hope Yesterday, because he's also got the goals, people can realise what he brings to the team. Because I think he's by far, well, not by far, because Helen does really, really good as well. But in terms of since Gerrard's come in and Goldson's come in, he's been consistently such a good defender for us. So, really, really pleased with, with Goldson. But just obviously, wanted to echo what Casey said there. Right, very briefly, Standard Liège versus Rangers. Thoughts? Um, well, I mean, to be fair, there's no reason for us not to win confident. We've got obviously a tremendous record. Um, under Gerard in Europe, I, I thought this might have been a year that we maybe didn't do as well in Europe just because there is a lot of focus on the fact that we need to win something domestically. But I'm confident. Um, I think if I think the the momentum uh, that we can take from from winning an old firm game, um, and and you can obviously see that the spirit within the Rangers team that they're a very close knit squad. Um, yeah, I think we can go over there and beat them. I, I, I'm very confident. Out with obviously the kind of top tier teams in Europe that Rangers can give everybody, any, sorry anybody a game. Um, so yeah, looking forward to it and, and pretty confident. Yeah, Standard Liège currently fourth in the Belgian league, a point off the top. They drew with Club Bruges yesterday, um, and I won't even comment on Celtic AC Milan. <laughs> I think that could be a, a pretty ugly Thursday night. I saw a bit of the Milan derby yesterday, and, and they looked pretty good. So um, yeah, that's not one I'm looking forward to. Um, you guys will have enjoyed yesterday. Livingston Kelly, first time ever I think we've had Kelly fans outnumbering another team on, on any podcast or, or any place in the world to be honest but um, <laughs> Tam you'll be, you'll be pleased with that, your team's kind of putting, putting together a nice run of form Delighted, um, I think obviously Alec Dyer came out and said that they'd, they'd had their troubles the last couple of weeks and he had to set out um, concede possession and, and uh, conserve energy in order to hit Livingston in the break and, and recently in the past couple of years that's when Kilmarnock have been at their best They've allowed teams better than them and that aren't as good as them to to have this perception of control of the game. But it was a great example yesterday of how to control a game without having 
more possession of the ball. And and they hit in the counter attack. They get three great goals and and a great victory. And I think that's four four victories out of the last five games that they've actually participated in. Um, so I think that's great. I saw a lot of Kilmarnock under Steve Clark, and the thing that always struck me about them was that even when they went behind in a game, they were never out of it. The amount of times I saw he's coming from behind to win games 2-1-3-1, obviously that was the case at Levy yesterday, Casey. Are you starting to see, you know, Steve Clark signs in this team? Um, I, I mean, it's it's an easy kind of comparison to make, and people really can't wait to... To, to go with that, given that obviously Dyer worked under Clark and obviously they worked together at West Ham years before that as well. Um, but no, I mean, I, I think that Dyer deserves it, his own kind of credit in a way. I, th- I think that he's a lot more direct than Steve Clark at the time. I think that we will eventually go uh, back to two up front um, with Brophy and Kabamba. Obviously, Brophy yesterday, I think that was his first game back uh, after his suspension. So, in, in yesterday, as, as Tam said, I mean, with what we had and the lack of match sharpness and fitness um, given our coronavirus troubles we, we had to just put a team out that, that, that was got to do the business yesterday and that's what we did but I do think that Dyer will actually revert back to four four two once given the chance um, to, to, to do that but no it, it was excellent and again you know me I'm sometimes a bit of a pessimist with, with Kilmarnock but yesterday I did I did feel the worst I, I, th- I thought we actually started okay and then Livy actually scored a pretty good passing move to be fair to them I mean it's a, it's a good ball in behind the defence a good cut back and the finish finish is fine and I thought right here we go I mean this is the last time we need we, we shouldn't really be chasing a game at this level I really did think yesterday would be looking at a nothing each or, or a 1-0 win so to see a goal that early in a Commander Livingston game uh, kind of we, we, Put the the form book right at the right at the window. So um, no, but to, to to bounce back for that, I, th- I thought we were we were brilliant and, and thoroughly deserving of our uh, three points. We got a bit lucky with the penalty. I mean, I don't I don't, I don't think that is a penalty. Um, I I, th- I can see why the referee's given it at the time though. But obviously, when you see the replays and stuff, I mean, if there is contact, it's it's minimal. Um, I would be disappointed if that went against me. But it, sometimes it, ba- it balances out in the rest of the season. I mean, it's a lot of decisions you don't get, so, so you take them when you can. And we got a wee bit of luck as well with McCrory kind of coming for the cross. But credit to Kilty as well. I mean, he has fallen it and it's right into his stride. I don't even think he needs to break stride. It just McCrory drops it and it basically hits Kilty's Kilty's foot and hits the back of the net. But I'm I'm so pleased for him as well because I've said all along, I mean, all Greg Kilty needs is, is a run of games to, to show what he's worth and, and and that's exactly what we're seeing and we're hopefully going to get back to the player that we seen four years ago when when he done really well to, to keep Kilmarnock in the top fight and, and hopefully again he gets he gets a new contract and, and and keeps going. Who are the players that are, are shining out for you two then? I'll start with you, Tam. I, I think the recruitment of Nicky Kabamba is superb. Um from the National League in England. Even last at the tail end of last year, um between January and March when we signed him, um I thought he was excellent. It was exactly what we needed as the foil for Brophy. And although that partnership hasn't yet been able to to strike off because of Brophy's injuries and the and the disruption of COVID, um, it brings Brophy into the game, brings brings our, our good wingers into the game by having that, that target man. But he's got a, a hell of a lot more to his game than just being a target man. He holds the ball in well, but he's got good feet. Um, he has a he has a pest. He presses. He works so hard for the team. So he 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 is the main standout for me. Obviously, Chris Buck, um, absolutely imperious. He gets better with age, um, and and they too have a have a good link up from the wide areas for Kabamba. Um, couple of goals this season, I think, assisted by Buck. And of course, as Callum said, Greg Kilty. I think I think that I, he's spot on there with saying that Greg Kilty is a player that needed a run of games, and. There was a lot of questions as to why Greg Kelty didn't get those chances under Clark. Um, but I feel as if the quality of the wide players we had under Clark didn't quite allow Kelty the run of games that he needed. But I'm I'm so glad to see him getting that chance now. And it wouldn't be any surprise to me to see him hit double figures and goals this season. Big fixtures come up as well. Next couple of games at home, Hibs and Rangers. I mean, it's quite a daunting couple of games, but equally... You know, the way he's are playing, especially at Rugby Park, that's probably two games that he's have both got, you know, high hopes for. No, 100%. I mean, you've got to be, yeah, you've got to be confident. Um, and 
as as Tom touched upon earlier, I think it's four wins in our last five in, in, in the Premiership and I think it's three wins in the trot there as well. So, so you've got to carry that, that form in. I mean, we're, we're under no illusions. I mean, it's, it's got to be a tough game, particularly against Rangers. But it'll be interesting to see the, the contrast. I thought at the beginning of the season when we played Thibs at Easter Road, we played fine. Uh, I think that obviously it was a blatant goalkeeping error that cost us the first goal the second goal I think the keeper could maybe do better with, with Martin Boyle's early strikes that game but other than that we, we, we were more than in the game um, and we were very unlucky to come, come away um, with, with nothing at Easter Road and then when we went to Ibrox I'd say that's one of the only games this season that we've actually properly been outplayed and, and we were very poor because that was a frustration for me um, because I mean sometimes it's, it's, it's hard for me to 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 sum it up as well, but I mean, the, these games we were we were playing well, but we still weren't picking up points. In the game at Ibrox, I, you know, epitomised that. I mean, they they absolutely battered us. Well, sorry, didn't they? That was the only game that we we properly did get outplayed. So it'll be interesting to see when they come down to Rugby Park. Rangers have struggled at Rugby Park, as we all know, in the last couple of years. So no, we, we've got to be confident. And I mean, if, if we can get in there and get a couple of draws or or a win against Tibbs and and just a good performance against Rangers, I'll take it. Definitely. Um, other two games, now, now, Dundee United, now, Aberdeen, now, Ross County, now, Hibs, now. Do any you have anything you want to say about either of those two? Just uh, Benjamin Seagrest for uh, Dundee United was absolutely superb. I counted watching the game as seven or eight really, really top saves. Because um, it was a bit of an onslaught from Aberdeen. I know Dundee United kind of had a chance late on with, with Chalmers and Joe Lewis makes a good save with his right foot. But, I mean, Aberdeen had looked to be absolutely all over Dundee United. Um, and I didn't actually know <clears throat> the result prior to watching it. So I was kind of hoping just for Benjamin Seagrace that Dundee United didn't get beat because it would have been an absolute travesty for him because I think he had an absolute stormer but I mean apart from that there is there's nothing <laughs> really else to say but certainly uh, Dundee United dabbled in anyway So that's all we'll say then we'll just move on we won't bother talking about that we'll move on instead to the the Championship, obviously great, we can get back to talking about the Championship, League 1 and League 2 as well. I'm just looking at Saturday's Championship games, did you see how many red cards there was? It was five in four games, and they were all for different teams, so eight teams played on Saturday and five of them finished with ten men. Air United, Queen of the South, Morton, Alloa and Arbroath both had, all had men sent off, and obviously Tam will come on to your game as well, but... Your mob had a couple of men sent off as well. We'll chat about that later, as I say. Um, anything kind of stand out for you for the Championship, Casey? Obviously, Friday night as well. Hearts thumped Dundee 6 2. Was, was that a game you, you saw any of? No, I did. I, I watched the game on Friday. Um, in all in all, the Championship, I think it was home wins for every every side, which which was quite interesting as well. Um, but no, the, the game on Friday was it was it was madness, to be fair. I mean, that, that was really kind of. Well, these games we've been seeing down south, it seemed like every single time uh, a team went out of the park, they, they looked like they were going to score, and I, I don't think either... Well, no, see, to be fair, I think Craig Gordon actually made a couple of good saves, but, I mean, the less said about Jack Hamilton and the, the Dundee goals, the better at times, it's still... I, I feel bad, I'm not, I'm not what to sit and have goes at players, even though I do it most weeks, but I, th- I think that that game, and it was obviously just, it was great to see the, the kind of level of players that were playing in that game, obviously you get uh, Charlie Adam and, and Dorans in the middle of the park for, for, for Dundee, and then Hearts, the Hearts team's brilliant man, and, and the boy Kingsley was different class, I said that for day one, I'm like that's an unbelievable signing, his free kick was, uh, it was unbelievable that Charlie Adam goes and scores that goal, and, and somebody arguably goes and, and outdoes it with, with Kingsley's um, free kick later on was, was top, top draw, so no, I mean, it's, like, I think that, I mean, I think under no illusions that Hearts have got to really steamroller that league this year. And, and so they should, especially when probably a shorter campaign, um, it, it should be tied up uh, pretty straightforward. And, and, and I think that Hearts will be playing in the top fight next season. Because given Dundee are arguably their, their, their biggest rivals uh, in regards to player quality, and they, they absolutely battered them on Friday. It's a good point you make about all those top class players. I think there was so many former Scotland internationals playing. You know, Craig Gordon, uh, John Souter, who'll probably be a future Scotland international. You had uh, Halliday playing. Obviously, he's not Scotland cap, but still a, a big name in Scottish football. The Dundee ones you mentioned, even someone like Osmond Soul playing with Dundee. Why do we think so many of these players are playing in the Championship? Is it is it just a factor of Hearts and Dundee to the kind of country bigger clubs been down there, or is there another reason for it, Tam? Um, I mean, I, the list is endless for Hearts. We played them in a, in a pre-season friendly at Tyncastle as well. You've got Boyce, 
Mm. Uh, obviously, for for the not uh, for the Pollock Island boys, Michael Smith um, has Halkett potentially been in a Scotland squad before, and you still get Stephen Naismith on the mm. bench. It's it's an incredible list of internationalists. Um, I'm not even sure if the the second string left back Garuccio has actually played for Canada potentially. Uh, I think I remember seeing that. So it's an incredible array of talent that Hearts have. They would. I would have thought that they would finish in the top six in the Premiership with that squad. Um, so I think I think uh, no illusions that they will they will steamroll that league with the players they've got and the budget they've got. But I would like to mention uh, a, an amazing result for Wraith Rovers. Obviously, they're they're my, my new club's rivals, but we played them last week. They beat us two one. But to beat what is usually a very well organised and, and strong team. Our broth under Dick Campbell three 0 in the first day of the season is an astonishing result for me, and also Dunfermline. Um, that's a big statement for me um, yeah. to beat Inverness, who arguably should be the second or third best team in that league, three one. And a strange, um, a strange thing is happening in Dunfermline squad. That is the fourth assist in three games that um, Dom Thomas has had for for Ewan Murray. Um, I don't know what's going on there. I think me and me and Kelly Cal know the the delivery that Dom Thomas possesses, but um, but if they, those guys can keep that up, then we're going to see a centre back on twenty goals that season for Dunfermline. <laughs> Stephen Whitaker obviously playing with Dunfermline as well, so they've got some kind of big names as well. Um, League One, we'll kind of go through a, a couple of the games just briefly. Airdrie Onions beat Peterhead two 0 Probably the surprise result of the day: Clyde winning one 0 against Partick Thistle. Patrick Thistle probably the, the kind of favourites going into the league season, Tam, so it might be a little bit surprising to see them losing to Clyde. Uh, result of the day for me. I, I was looking at it today, I was trying uh, this morning trying to think of what, what I could pick out the result of the day across all four leagues. Obviously Rangers is one and, and in League Two there's, there's a shout for Elgin beating Stranar 4-1, but I think Patrick Thistle, a, a full-time team, um, playing Clyde, that's a, that's a great result and a great start for for Danny Lennon's side. And no uh, Connor Park at Falkirk, Fisher, but um, they're kind of going on fine without him. They got a, a 3-1 win away to Montrose. Yeah, um, the, the start that I'm sure they would have wanted, um, kind of given um, the, the kind of season that they had last year, the, the fact they were battling it out with Raith Rovers. Obviously, we know from, from speaking with Connor and, and just the kind of club that Falkirk are, that they're, they're desperate to kind of push on and get back into the Championship and be one of the, the sort of competing teams at the top end of that league. Um obviously it was it was one each up until about the eighty fifth minute. Um when Montrose had a man sent off and then Falkirk went on and, and sealed the game and, and kinda of stoppage time. So so good result for them and obviously I'm sure our our, um, our friend Connor Park had a one eye on that despite um moving on to pastures new down south. Have you been in contact with him? Did he did he kinda of pass a judgment on the game? He didn't. I've actually only spoken to him about uh, the Rangers result because obviously uh, I'm really selfish and don't care about other teams. <laughs> so uh, that was, and to be fair, I don't think I could have put a coherent sentence uh, together about any other game yesterday. So um, I've not been in touch with him about that, but uh, he's keeping well, uh, which is which is good to hear. Definitely. League two, there was four away wins. 3-1 for Steny away to Albion Rovers. Edinburgh City battered Brecon 5-1. Annan 3-0 at Cowdenbeath and Elgin 4-1 at Stranraer and then the final game Stirling drawn 0-0 uh, with Queen's Park have probably been viewed as the kind of the title favourites for League 2 right now that's all done we can move back to League 1 just briefly and, and get a wee bit of a chat I don't know if there's any Cove Rangers or these five fans out there listening to us hopefully there are um, 3-1 it finished to, to Cove Rangers as I kind of touched on earlier Tam your side finished with 9 men you had Danny Denham sent off and then um, I think Aaron, is it Aaron Dunsmore? Yeah, Aaron yeah. Dunsmore got a second booking kind of late on in the game. Um, disappointing start. Why? What was kind of in the air yesterday? Because I noticed that your team didn't just have two men sent off, but there was a lot of kind of yellow cards going about as well. Yeah, um, I don't want to focus too much on the referee. I, I thought it was very poor, but we we can't use the poor referee as an excuse for what I thought was a poor performance from us. It's obviously difficult going on that road up there. Cove, by no means does anyone in League One underestimate Cove. Uh, I mean, they, they could potentially go and secure a playoff spot or, or even better this season. Got a great squad of players, but um, I just felt like they moved the ball better than us yesterday, um, even when, they, when both teams had 11 men. Um, 
found it hard to get to grips with their midfield three with us playing a a four four two and um unfortunately um Danny Denham just overran the ball and it's the it's the old case of overrunning the ball and, and trying to save it by by making a tackle. Whether or not it's it was bad enough to be a red card it it, it probably was on the on the borderline. So um a bit unfortunate and then to compound that with a goal from pretty much from that free kick, a second phase um goal from the free kick um set us on the back foot. We did well to get back into the game, get a goal with ten men, and and, and get to two one. Um, but another sloppy goal, and and then another man sent off, and and it was a long twenty minutes in the in, in the middle of the park for me chasing chasing with ten men, and then nine. So yeah, not not a great day at the office, but Montrose next week, and and hopefully we can pick up three points there. At least that'll help your fitness early on in the season. You've got no complaints there. So, That's um... it. I'm just looking at some of the names of the Cove Rangers team. Obviously, Mitch Megan's in scored a double, also missed a penalty earlier on. Leighton McIntosh as well, Casey. I mean, that's some names that we know from, not from the Premiership, but it's names we know from the lower leagues you constantly see in, you know, Gillette Soccer Saturday and all that kind of thing. So, judging judging from that kind of thing, they, they certainly have a lot of power, uh, firepower in that team and a, a decent enough manager as well. No, 100%. I mean, we we spoke about that, um, obviously, at the, the beginning of last year, I think, when obviously Hartley, Hartley was coming into them and, and you just knew that the, the money that they've got behind them, the, the quality players that they do have there. Um, and the full league, to be fair, I mean, this, this was something I was going to just kind of bring on to, to speak to Tam about. I mean, when you look at League One, when you see the amount of full-time teams there, it's it's unbelievable. Um, with the, and, and there's some very good part-time teams there as well that, that play good money, uh, that, that obviously will pay good money as well. So, I mean, I mean for you, Tam, I mean, how do you see you as like kind of competing this year against the kind of um, the, the poorly players that, that are in that division at this moment in time um, I mean obviously this is my first season ever in League One and I'm, I'm still looking at the teams there and I do think wow it's probably the the only league where anyone could beat anyone on, on any day um, so our target and objective is again to be in the top half and, and hopefully secure a playoff space um, if, if we perform like yesterday and get two men sent off that every week then we're going to have no chance of that um, but there's some great players in the league um, it's, it's going to be tough but there's some great players some great players in, in household names in Scotland and, and our team as well folk like Danny Swanson have signed this summer um, Chris Higgins an experienced championship defender um, there's a great list Scott Agnew um, so there's a list of people we've got um, Ryan Wallace and, and big Jack Hamilton on loan from Livingston as well so we've, we've got a squad that's more than capable of competing at the top half of League One uh, and hopefully we do so Danny Swanson seems like a hell of a signing he's playing at St Johnson last season yep um, don't know how the club pulled that off I think Danny was looking to to move to part time and, and focus his his, uh, his work elsewhere Um uh, and maybe it kind of lessen the toll on his body, but he's certainly shown that there's there's still quality in his feet. Um, and if we can just find a way to get him into the team and creating creating chances and scoring goals, then then that should only be able to help us. Right, Casey, I, I am under the impression you've got a, a dossier of of questions for for Tam Fisher. Just feel free to chip in at any stage, and I'll do the same. But take it away. I will not. It's just, just a wee bit of research. Obviously, we we all know Tammy. He actually worked at the the uni when we were there there in first year, and I couldn't believe that I'd met a Kelly fan that, that <laughs> wasn't from Kilwarnock. So I, I was I was absolutely buzzing with that, and and obviously me and Tam have kind of stayed in touch, like, like to talk about football and and tweet each other quite often. But I mean, I think like kind of under the current circumstances, I mean, there's no really other place where we could start except for, I mean, COVID. I mean, I mean, what's that been like for for a player? particularly your level the new time and also what's quite interesting about it was the fact that you signed a pre-contract and you're getting into this as you said it's your first your first season at this level of football and you couldn't even meet your teammates for for god knows how long so how was that i mean in general the the whole coronavirus situation and not having an impact and you even getting to to meet your your new teammates um obviously the full thing has been difficult more generally just missing missing your football and having the, the previous season curtailed um seven months off um difficult you're obviously trying to keep yourself fit i felt like myself and everyone in my team came back in in really good shape so that wasn't an issue 
for us. But that, that, that last point that you made, it was obviously difficult. I signed a pre-contract in February and we didn't train until until August. So it was essentially six months that um, that I knew I was going to a new team and I, and I couldn't get in and meet my new teammates. Um, more generally, how it's developed now, it's difficult. Um, obviously, there's there's aspects um, off the park which are which are which are strange. The the typical way of interacting with new teammates is in the dressing room, getting changed before training, before games, um, getting buses to and from games and things like that. So that's made that slightly more difficult because it's a case of at the Orium just now, um, because there's so many other teams training, you're you're just kind of in and out and it's your hour and a half slot and that's it and you put your shoes on at the side of the park and you're away so it has been difficult but um but really fortunate that we are able to go ahead and um that's the biggest part of normality within my life so i'm just really grateful that that we have been able to to, to work our way around the the virus in order to get started again no, absolutely. Um, I mean, obviously you got your move to East Fife. I mean, is it fair to say that, do you think obviously the Scottish Cup run with, with BSC Glasgow last year, I mean, was that what really, I mean, you, you just knocked out East Fife and I think the, the third round or whatever. So, so do you think that's where the, is that where the contact started for them? And, and just tell us about that Scottish Cup run, because I mean, some of the teams you were up against, the results were brilliant and then eventually coming to an end after beat by Hibs but that must have been some experience for you yeah great Scottish Cup run really enjoyed my time at BSC as well more generally um, obviously the Scottish Cup run I think the first game was probably low key away I think that was the first game um, it was a, was a flashback to my, my old, older junior days um, and we were lucky to get away and get a draw that day actually we were one I think we were 1-0 down we got a man sent off and managed to get a one each and go back to our place so it could have been over before it even started, that Scottish Cup run. Um, and then we went to East Fife, 1-4-3 after being 3-1 down. We went to East Kilbride and 1-3-1. Uh, and then obviously that culminated in the game against Hibs, which was a, a great experience and um, more than matched them for, for, for long periods. So look look back on that Cup run, um, it obviously had an impact on, on how I got my move. I don't, I don't think East Fife would necessarily have been aware of of me and scoring goals and doing quite well in the Lowland League if we hadn't played against them. Um, their contact with me came not long after that. Um, the assistant actually made a comment after the game, just said something like, being dead impressed with you, the best player every time I've watched you. So um, not long after that, they were in touch and it took me a couple of months to decide um, whether that was where I wanted to go or not. But obviously I made that decision and um, and, and I'm happy with it at the minute. I think... Um, Joined a good squad and hopefully be able to make a make a positive impact on on the on the results. Well, you, you initially come through at uh, Queens Park, um, and then I mean some people would see it as obviously dropping down a level to the juniors um, to to go and play play for Beath. But your time at Beath was was unbelievable. I mean, Beath are obviously a club with with history. I mean, I mean we can talk all day about the about the hotbed of junior football that, that is Ayrshire and. Um, Obviously, you you played in Beath, but that's probably one of the most successful periods of their um, their history. I mean, I think he's won the West and obviously winning the the Junior Scottish Cup. So, so how was that for you? Uh, terrific, honestly. That was the makings of me as a player. Like obviously, you said that I came through at Queens Park. I was probably fortunate um, personally to get to get experience in the first team um, at Queens Park when I was seventeen and still at school. And on my first start, obviously scored scored the winner against Clyde. So I, I was fortunate enough that I got that experience, probably because Queens Park had one of the poorest squads they'd ever had. Um, but I, I reflect on that now and think, well, I probably wasn't good enough, and that's why I I didn't get the opportunities under the new management team. And and it was that time at Beath, those those four years nearly, um, that was the kind of making of me as a as a player. I kind of grew into a into a man, you had to do that quickly. Um, not because junior football is what it was 40, 50 years ago, but because it's just a demanding environment where your teammates expect you, no matter if you're 18, 19, or 28, or 29, to compete and, and to have a bit about you in order to roll your sleeves up and, and really re- earn the right to play football. Um, so I, I look back on that time at Beeve, I, I was fortunate enough to play in great squads. One pretty much everything. We won the West Premier League, um, beat Knockin' beat Knock Lick to the title on the last day. 
We won the Scottish Junior Cup final, beating Pollock at, at Rugby Park. Obviously, the home of my, the team I support. So, um, and I, we won a couple of other trophies as well in my time. So, um, so that was a great place to be a part of, and still, um, I'm sure you'll be aware that keep in touch with everyone at Beeve and uh, wish them all the best when their when their season starts, whenever that may be. I mean, for, for somebody that has played, obviously. Junior level, Lowland League. Now you obviously you're in League One. Previously played League Two, or um, that moment of time. I mean, how do you compare the, the actual standard? I mean, how good a standard is the juniors, for example, in comparison to the rest? Uh, I would expect the top junior teams, such as the B team I played in, or can like to compete with all of League Two, um, and the same for the top four, five, six teams in the Lowland League as well, uh, and on their day compete with most if not all of League One um, to be honest I think that, that, that they're all much of a muchness what is the difference just now that I'm taking from this squad that I'm part of um, I think we showed last year as BSC that on our day we can compete with good teams in League One um, but everything has to go right what is uh, the squad like at East Fife I would say more consistently players are at a higher level there are players within Lowland and junior teams that are as good, but it's just about that consistency and, and doing the right things and making sacrifices um, that, that that sometimes aren't done. It's certainly much more professional in, in their approach as well. Do you expect to see more players kind of make the breakthrough for the, the junior levels up? I mean, recently, I mean, you've got the kind of high-profile ones like such as Ross, Ross Stewart, who was at the Buffs, um, yep. doing very, very well in the Premiership. Get the boy that um, Livingston signed in the summer there, Salim. I can't remember the rest. Could of his name. <laughs> I, I have, but he was. Uh, <laughs> I, I just didn't want to try and pronounce it. That was that man. I was. Uh, I didn't want to disrespect him there. But obviously, he's. Um, I think he's on one at a League One club there now as well yeah. after signing for Livingston. So, so, do you think you expect to see kind of more players that, that can make that kind of step up? I think there's always been those steps up, um, but. But they've, they've not come in the volume that you might expect. I mean, going back a while, you look at even like Jamie Longworth and Chris Erskine, they played with Coburnley before they started to rise their ranks. I think the development of the pyramid system is only going to help that. Um, that there's not that sort of dis- distinction between the, the two setups that, that was the barrier before. Um, yeah, I, th- I think we, we should be seeing more of that. There's a lot of good talent in, the, in what is now the West of Scotland leagues and in the Lowland leagues. Um, but there's plenty of reasons why players wouldn't want to wouldn't want to bridge that gap and, and jump the leagues. Things like travelling, even money. Um, I mean, a lot of guys, it's that it's a big supplement to their income at those levels. And just like anything in society, the distribution of money isn't necessarily linear. Um, there's a lot of clubs in the lowland league and the juniors that pay more money than than league two and league one clubs. So. Um, so it's a bit more than just the level that they're playing at. It's obviously there's other reasons as to why they maybe don't do, don't play at those levels. I mean, one of the last ones for me, or for any of the rest of the guys, what you come in, it's it's more kind of off the field stuff. I'm, I'm sure all the listeners um, listening just now can tell how articulate and switched on you are. And obviously, you're somebody that's just recently graduated for university as well. It was it history and politics you you studied at uni. So I mean, how how did you find that? Like balancing that with your, your football career. Um, I, th- I, I think it was pretty easy f- to balance the two. I, I would find it much harder to be out doing 12-hour night shifts or whatever on the railways like a, a lot of other people have to do before going to football. Um, to be going to uni and being able to be lucky enough to have that experience alongside playing playing football, um, obviously it had its difficulties and complications at points and maybe ask for the odd night off training if you're really struggling and you've got an essay or a dissertation due but um but yeah obviously obviously it's good that I managed to get my degree and balance it about a good good level of football and I think it's allowed me to concentrate more heavily on my football than than potentially having a, a full time hard graft career has done uh, or w- would have done so so I it, it wasn't it wasn't terribly difficult but um it wasn't without complications either. Yeah. I want to ask you about BSC Glasgow just briefly Tam because I mean I through kind of previous jobs I've had, I've kind of come into contact with some of the kind of key men there, you know, George, um, who's obviously, is he chief executive at the Lowland League as well, yep. and the fella Michael, I don't know if he's still at the club that does all the graphics and that kind yep. of thing, but um, yeah, they, they always strike me as a club that, that are really kind of going in the right direction um, with everything. Are they a club you think 
could kind of bridge that gap eventually one day and maybe be an SPFL team? I, I would love to think so. Um, as you say, the, the guys behind the scenes at BSC are, are very switched on, um, whether it be just the general running of the club and the way that they handled the, the Hibs game as well to mm. put on a... You, you kind of forget when you're just a player all the work that goes on behind the scenes and, and the infrastructure you have to have in place to implement a game where three and a half thousand people come and watch. That doesn't just happen overnight. Um, and for a club with essentially, I don't know how many's on the committee, but you see five, six, seven or eight hardworking guys. They don't have mm. the infrastructure of even small junior clubs, really. Um, so to put that on, it shows they're very switched on. In terms of on the park, yes, they have a squad just now that is capable of of winning the Lowland League. I, th- I think maybe I spoke to Swift, the manager, they probably need a centre-forward. They've lost the three from last season. Um, but I think definitely they, they could be a league club. What would I like to see from BSC in order to become that? I think they need to try and get a facility within Glasgow or, or mm. hopefully Broomhill. And it's all about that at the moment. It's aloe there at and, and it, it makes it difficult. It puts a real barrier um for that kind of growth of the the community support for the team. You saw the turnout they could get against Hibs. That I mean mm. there was there was some amount of BSE fans, whether it's friends and family and then folk from Broomhill, there was certainly a, a community spirit there. Um and if they could really develop that by by harnessing a facility within within Broomhill or the Greater Glasgow area then I think that would allow a, a, a step forward for BSC to become a, a proper club with, with a better infrastructure that would become viable within within the leagues as well. Yeah, definitely. I just think kind of looking for the outside, they're always a club that kind of handles themselves well and they're always looked to be going in the right direction. Um, another question for me, just the, the final one. Um, obviously, we only touched on five Premiership games this weekend. The sixth one was called off due to... Um, St Mirren having another positive COVID test. They had two midweek uh, and a further player isolating. They then, as I say, had another positive test on Saturday and loads more self-isolating. They actually only had 12 players available for Saturday and four of them were goalkeepers, so they obviously couldn't put a team out, hence the game against Motherwell was postponed. How much of a worry is it, for your point of view, Tam, going up against... Um, well, effectively there's no testing in, in your league at all is it a concern for you with this virus going about that you're playing in these games with, with other players and your own teammates that, that could well have it or, or is that just something you're, you're kind of not really thinking about um, obviously it's a concern um, due to work and football obviously uh, and, and the current restrictions the people that are, that are the biggest concern for players are their family um, or, or who mm. they're staying with in, ca- in case that higher risk that I'm, I'm um, susceptible to is exploited. So I've, I've obviously got my girlfriend and my girlfriend's mum that I stay with just now. Gladly, neither of those have um, have underlying health conditions. So the risk, at, at least at home, is not is not too big a one to take. Um, but we've got so many so many restrictions in football just now that I think are are going to help stop. Spread the, the the spread of the virus two meters for over fifty minutes of anyone within a game, so that shouldn't be a shouldn't be an issue. Um, and obviously the travelling, we're not travelling on buses. Um, we don't if it's a big uh, big travel for a game, you're only travelling in twos, so it shouldn't spread between those groups too too quickly. But um, obviously it's a concern, and it may be a bigger concern for other people that maybe stay with elderly parents or or people with underlying health conditions. But um, Every individual and collective team have got to make got to make the right decisions around that in order to navigate those issues. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's been brilliant to have you on, Tam Fisher. Um, if you've got any other questions, pile in. But but otherwise, it's it's just brilliant to have a, a footballer on. But more than anything else, to have a bit of knowledge on the podcast because the rest of us are usually um, usually talking with a shite. Don't assume that anyone <laughs> that plays the game has a better knowledge of the game than you guys. Uh, that that's a that's a oh no I was just meaning in general life mate all oh, right well <laughs> that, that, uh, I hate I hate that assumption that it's like uh, just because people play the game that they know more about it that's complete complete rubbish there's so many people in football that don't have a clue about the game Neil Lennon's one of them I suppose <laughs> <laughs> I set you uh, up for that one 
<laughs> uh, no, I've, everything, all the questions you guys asked was, was kind of the, the stuff that I had jotted down. Just thanks very much, obviously, for, for coming on and um, just, uh, aye, just brilliant to have you on. Brilliant. Cheers, guys. Appreciate, appreciate it, Thomas. Uh, Casey, appreciate you coming on as well. And um, we'll be back, I suppose, next week. Hopefully, a, a happier time for me and hopefully, a happier time for, for Tam as well. Hopefully, Sink can get a, a win and get some points on the board next weekend. Um, thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And we'll speak to you very soon.